As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. What did you learn about money at school? I'll ask that question again. What did you learn about money at school or business? You know, how many of you were told to go to school, to get a job, work hard, save money, get out of debt, and invest for the long term in the stock market? How many were told that? And do you realize they're still saying the same thing in schools today, in most schools? So... The good news is there's many changes finally coming about with the subject of financial education, entrepreneurship, what do we teach our kids. The problem is it's not happening inside the school system. It's taking place outside the school system. So for those of you who are wondering why you're stuck at this job you may not like, not earning enough money, and wondering what you're going to do, I'd like to hear some good news about what other people are doing outside the school system. So Kim and I were just, uh, we were teaching a new program called the Entrepreneur's Development Program, which is in development. And of course, as my favorite people always show up, financial planners. And of course, they're hopping around out there because I'm just coming at them with relentlessly. And this woman, she's a great woman. She's strong, tough, smart, you know, arrogant, but tough, strong, and smart. And she goes, well, what about... The magic of compounding interest. Now, if those of you ever taken a financial planning course, that's their, that's their ace in the hole. They always want to talk to you about what Einstein called one of the greatest miracles of all times, the magic of compounding interest. So you leave a dollar in, and in three million years, it's worth four bucks. You know, you can't wait for that kind of action. And the other thing she talked to me later on about was the rule of 72. Well, what about the rule of 72? So what's happening, ladies and gentlemen? What is the rule of 72? Oh, that means you're getting 10% interest. Your money doubles in 7.2 years. You get 10% interest per year? Yeah, well, that's only one problem with wow, that thing. It's the 10%. <laughs> that's, that's kind of missing. So I Something's kinda, missing in that equation. Could it be the 10%? Yeah, so you know, so most of the class were, was sitting there. It was about 100 people. You know, cause, Like I said, it's a prototype program on how you teach entrepreneurship. And um, she's sitting there, and the class is listening. I said, so the magic of compounding interest. So let's say interest is at zero. So you compound at zero. Well, what does that equal? Ten? You know? <laughs> what I'm trying to say here, she was so taught to repeat and regurgitate and vomit that same BS out all day long that she doesn't even know anything. And what I'm saying is most financial planners are good people and most teachers know nothing about money. So the question is, what did you learn about money? And most importantly, what are we doing to change it? So this program, I'm very excited to say, is not about the magic of compounding interest or the rule of 72, but it's really about what people are doing outside the school system to teach our young people to be entrepreneurs 
and to be responsible citizens with their money. Any comments, Kim? Well, yeah, it, it, it has to it has to happen outside the school system because the school system is too slow and it's obsolete in so many ways. And kids are so bored because it's not relevant. They get their information online, much better information, quicker information. So uh, today's show is is what people are actually doing. They're actually doing to bypass the school system and teach what kids want to learn today. So our first guest today are Russell Bronson. He's an entrepreneur owner of Dotcom Secrets. He works with the Rich Dad Company. He has ClickFunnels, and he's teaching one of the most essential skills that most people don't know, what entrepreneurs need to know, sales. How do you sales, or a funnel means how do you, you know, if you're going to make one sale, you probably have to have a 1,000 people in the funnel. I mean, those are the stats. And his father, Russ Bronson, and he is Russell's father. So what we're going to be talking about is what Ross, how Ross taught Russell or encouraged Russell to be an entrepreneur and how that relationship worked. Again, once again, our school system is so behind the times that you and I, as private citizens, concerned citizens, need to bypass an obsolete school system. So, Ross, you're Russell's father. What did you? What do you think of your son Russell being an entrepreneur and so successful and such a great young man? I think it's great. Uh, he's really taken to this, uh, and he's done very well with it. Um, it's interesting about him. He's he's kind of been different from the beginning. Um, how how so? <laughs> when he was a, a young kid, one of the things he would do first of all is he would sit up at night. He'd watch these late night TV shows talking about ways to make money and you know and he'd be up all night when we were in bed my wife and I and he'd tell us in the morning dad I'm going to be a millionaire <laughs> how, how, old, how old was he then oh he was probably only 13 or 14 maybe right. 15 something like that right. <laughs> I'm going to be a millionaire, Dad. I'm going to be a millionaire. And he was talking about like in a month, you know, not, not in this <laughs> lifetime. I'm going to be a millionaire. And I'd say, yeah, just, you know, yeah, keep dreaming. <laughs> that, that's a good goal. Uh, but, you know, so he would do that. And then, then what he started doing is he would get these, these entrepreneur magazines and he would start sending out letters to every single thing in there that had how to make money and you know ways to to become rich and we started getting bombarded with with these this you know sales materials from all these companies i mean just hundreds and hundreds of letters every single day would show up in our mailbox and uh, he he started papering his his walls in his room with them you know all these things and uh, when he finally left we had boxes and boxes of these you know get rich quick type ideas so russ russell how old are you now um 36 now <laughs> and when did you start your first business um it's actually funny so um fast forward a few years after me ordering all the junk mail and i was in college and i was wrestling at boise state and i was trying to figure out what to do with my life and my dad for my birthday um, actually gave me uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, the book. A smart dad, dad like, smart oh, dad. <laughs> very smart. And he was so excited and he was going crazy and he gave it to me and I didn't really get it and I just put it on my, on my nightstand next to my bed and it sat there for probably two or three months and every time he, he, I'd, I'd call him, he's like, are you ready yet? Are you ready? I'm like, no, I haven't yet, I haven't. And finally one night I was laying there and I wasn't tired so I'm like, alright, I'm going to read. So I picked it up and I read the entire book that night and uh 
my wife, my poor wife, was sleeping next to me. She woke up in the morning. I was so excited, sitting there waiting for her to wake up. I was like, <laughs> her name's Colette. I'm like, Colette, we're buying a house. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you need to read this book. We're going to go buy a house. <laughs> and, um, and so my first real business uh, literally happened the day after I read your book. Uh, I didn't know what a realtor was at the time. I read the book, and so I called my a friend who told me he was a realtor, and we went looking. Within a, a week, we had put our first offer in on a little duplex. My wife and I ended up moving in half of it and renting out the other half. And that was kind of that was kind of the beginning for me. I had a little bit of direction now of where I could, you know, put these entrepreneurial ideas. ideas. You know, that's just an asset and a liability. I mean, that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. That's. I mean, that, you know, it's just the vocabulary. Assets put money in your pocket. Liabilities take money from your pocket. So anyway, congratulations. So, so Russ, let me ask you: with with uh, Russell in school, how did that play into his entrepreneurial bent? Was he a good student? Was he did well, he struggle? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me expound on that a little bit. Um, uh, you know, Russell is a wrestler, and he went to school oh. to wrestle more okay. than he went to school to to learn. You know, as he was. You know, starting into college, he was on a scholarship, but it didn't pay enough to uh, be able to pay all of his, you know, his rent and his, his food. And you know, he had a wife and that type of thing at that point in time. And so, he needed kind of some direction uh, of what to do. And and I had found your book. I wanted him to to have that because I knew he was needing something, a direction in his life. And I knew he had that entrepreneurial spirit from the beginning. And it was interesting. We went to, up there, and I was driving in the car with my dad. And, uh, you know, I said, Dad, I got this great book. I want to read it to you as we're driving to Boise. And I was going to give Russell a copy of it. And so we were right driving up, and I was reading the book. And, and we got up there, you know, to my dad, and I, and I gave the book to Russell. And I said, you know, this is something that will change your life. So it was just like lightning struck me, and I just said to my dad, I can do this too, you know. This is what I want to do. I can do this. Now I know. What, now I have something I can quantify. Now I can have something I can grab hold of. Now I know how to become wealthy and you know, what my goals need to be. And so it changed my life, and, and also, of course, as Russell's been reading, it has changed his life. And it's, you know, we talk about this all the time. We need to, you know, we need to turn your, your active income into passive income just as fast as we can by investing in various assets. And so I've done it in my life, and we're helping him do it. And I've given your book to three of my other kids, and I've sat out with them, and I've talked with them about it. But uh, I can say is that was your book is probably the the greatest financial book that I have ever read, and probably the only the best in the marketplace, in my opinion. Well, Ross, you know, I'll, I'll uh, you I'll become pay, our new best friend. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you your endorsement money as soon as I get your address. Anyway, thanks very much. That's, uh, that's very nice of you. So you have three generations: your dad, you, and your son. And just for those of you who are wondering what wealth means, wealth is not measured in money. Wealth is measured in time. And very simply said is that if you stop working today, how long can you survive? And for most people, I think it's less than 30 days. They have no wealth. They have money but no wealth. And that's a very big distinction. So, Russell, let me ask you, um, as as what would you say to an aspiring entrepreneur? Maybe they're in school, maybe they're in high school, maybe they're in college, and that's not quite working for them, and they know they want to be an entrepreneur. What would you say to them? What What advice would you give them? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is I think a lot of people, we feel different, right? Like I was growing up, I felt different in school. It was confusing to me and I was 
frustrated and I felt like I wanted to do something bigger, but I didn't have any, I didn't, ha- I didn't have a direction to point in. And, you know, uh, I told you guys the, the first thing I did was I bought a, a duplex and that was great. And then for me, like real estate wasn't where I wanted to, you know, that didn't get me as excited as like create, creating things and, and creating, you know, different things. And so for me, we started focusing more on the internet. Like how do I create information products? How do I, and we have creating software products and, and things like that. And, and I really think that the biggest takeaway that I've I received from all this is that um, all of us people, like we all have these God-given talents and gifts and things that will bless and serve other people's lives. And so I'm a big believer in saying, okay, what do I want to do? Like who, who do I want to serve in, in, in what aspect? And it could be through real estate, it could be through selling information products, through, through whatever, but really figuring out like how you can serve other people. And that's like, for me, the catalyst, like that's, that's how all my, my the businesses we've launched that have made multi-millions of dollars, they've all been tied to like, how can we serve someone? Like what, what do people need? Like what's going to be that thing that, that helps other people the most? And as you start thinking through that, um, opportunities will pop up everywhere. Like you'll see if, if you know, like we were, um, uh, one of our businesses, we, we sold supplements that help people with, uh, with diabetic neuropathy. We just saw these people were struggling with this pain and they were, and they just couldn't figure out ways to do it. So we said, let's figure out a way to help these people. And we did, and it became this big multi-million dollar. So you basically looked company. for problems, and you went out to solve the problems. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many problems in the world. <laughs> the problems yeah. are not getting smaller by any stretch of imagination. So that's really the big key is, is that. And then figuring out and learning how to how to package that or how to sell that. And, and it takes a little while. It takes a little time to kind of figure some of the pieces out. But, but just realizing that you can become very, very wealthy by – by understanding that, like, there's there's problems if you become a problem solver. I remember one of the best lessons my dad ever taught me when I was a kid. He said there's two types of people in this world. There's uh, people who are really good at finding problems, and there's people that are really good at finding solutions. He said you want to be the second person, and that's always stuck with me. And so I think the better that we all become at finding solutions to people's problems, um, you know, that's where all the opportunities are. Well, Russ, you know, you've done a great job with your son, Russell. And like I said, our company is madly in love with Russell because he comes to serve, not to sell. There's a very, very big difference because there's too many people who are out there selling and not serving. And the great thing about the, you know, the mobile phone and the mobile apps and all these mobile devices is that more and more people can become entrepreneurs, but not to just to make money, but to serve other people. So I want to thank you guys. You know, congratulations. Thank and, you both. Uh, Again, my point here is this. This is not what they teach in school. They teach you just to make money for yourself and nobody else. So the key to getting rich, Russ, is what your son is doing, serving other people. So thank you guys very much. So our first guests were Russell Brunson. He's a young entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and his father, Ross Brunson, who gave him rich dad, poor dad. But the reason I I do this program is so much of our, so many people are struggling because they have bad financial information, or should I say obsolete. And uh, I remember when in 1970, when I was out of school, you could get 15% interest on your money. You know, interest rates reached an all-time high in 1981 of 21.5%. You know, and so those days it meant, it made sense to save money. Well, just this past weekend, Kim and I were tr- teaching a program called the Entrepreneur Development Program. You know, it's a development program. You don't you don't just pop out as an entrepreneur. Very few people, or at least, are successful at it. And in there, naturally, some of my favorite people, <laughs> financial planners, and they were hopping on the chairs like I had a f- gas fire under them. 
And this woman raises a good woman, you know, strong, tough, smart, well-educated. She goes, and she says, I'm a financial planner, you know. And what about the what about the magic of compounding interest? I go, okay. What is zero squared? <laughs> and she goes, what? I said, well, what what is zero times zero? She goes. That's, what does that have to do with compounding interest? I said, look, ma'am, the days of 15% interest are gone. You know, today you're lucky if you get 8%, which you'd never get anyway. So she's still living in the past. And then she says, well, what about the rule of 72? And for those that may not know the rule of 72, simply means you get 10% interest, your money will double in 7.2 years. That's what it means. And I said, ma'am, what is 77.2 times zero? And she goes, that's still the rule of 72. But that's what I'm saying. The pe- reason people struggle today is because we have no financial education in school, and our school is the problem. The good news is there are our first guests, you know, they, father and son and grandfather, decide to change what's in their heads. So Ross Bronson talked to his son, Russell Bronson. Now Russell's a multimillionaire, even though he struggled in school. And our next guest is Rich Martinez, president and CEO of Young Americans Bank, based in Colorado. His website is y, capital Y, capital A, center dot org. Any comments, Kim? Well, yeah, the, and this program is, is really important because we're talking to people who, you know, the school system doesn't work for a lot of people. And today it's so slow and pretty much obsolete in so many ways that we're talking to people that are becoming entrepreneurs. They're understanding money outside the school system. Oh. We're bypassing the school system to teach kids what they need to learn because they're not learning it in school. Yeah, you see, I became a rich man by homeschooling. My rich dad basically homeschooled me, you know, in his business, thank God. So I had some real-life business experience, not theoretical experience like a lot of people have in school. So today we have Rich Martinez, again, once again, president and CEO of Young Americans Bank based in Colorado. So welcome to the program, Rich. Welcome, Rich. Thank you. Well, so what are you guys doing with the Young Americans Bank? Well, we're really, as, as you talked about just uh, prior, is, is really giving kids that knowledge of how does the banking system work. Um, and as you talked about, interest is not at its high that it has been for a long time. So you're really trying to get that habit of, of first of all, how do you negotiate this, this crazy world that I think very few people do know how to negotiate um, with the vocabulary, with all the different types of accounts, um, but getting in a habit of of saving but also spending, and what does that mean for your financial future? Um, we do that with real-life bank products, so we are a state-chartered FDIC-insured institution, um, and, and we believe that it's hands-on real-life experiences that make the difference. And, and what ages are your, are your clients? So they start out at zero as soon as they have a Social Security number all the way up through 21. Um, really, in truth, they, they start getting it about three or four years old um, of how to make their own transactions and, and do things uh, within the bank. So what, how, you, you also have kind of an entrepreneur's program and things like that. So I saw, I saw a video clip. Yeah, so through our, our companion nonprofit, Young American Center for Financial Education, we do a lot of training in, in free enterprise education, so understanding how to be a good citizen um, and, uh, and explore careers. We do a global economics program so that the kids understand the interdependence of our world today, and then um, programming to help kids explore this incredible world of entrepreneurship that our, our nation was built on. 
So, so do kids actually come to your bank and pitch their business and ask you for loans? Yes. So we do a variety of work? programming, summer camps, um, but and then school-based programs where where we have kids that will pitch ideas, and then um, they can come in front of our loan committee and actually pitch a business idea trying to get a bank loan. You actually give bank loans to, like the SBA does, to uh, entrepreneurs? Um, yes. Um, ours are a little bit more, uh, a little bit less structured than an SBA loan, but, um, you know, primarily giving kids um, working capital loans so they can buy the materials for their, their different businesses or um, provide expansion opportunities for their, their business. So what, what would be an example of a, a business you would loan to and a business you wouldn't loan to? Yeah, well, we we try to lend to everybody as long as we have a, a, a solid business plan. But um, one young man um, has a bread business and so does homemade bread and, and wanted to expand his market into sliced bread. Um, and so we lent him $30 for an electric knife so that he could be in the in the sliced bread business. <laughs> That's good. You know, very simple concept, but a, a young man looking for a market that uh, could sell to friends and family and um, um, and neighbors. And so it, it starts that that simply. So uh, how how do you collateralize those loans? Well, that was that was an unsecured loan. Um, I think we kind of we you know would love to have taken that knife as collateral, but um, <laughs> um, you know we had mom and dad as a, as a co-signer on that loan, and uh, then we do have a. Um, we do have a, uh, a guarantee fund that's been provided by some um, some generous funders to help us make these banks these loans bankable. So you guys hedge your uh, positions out there, then. Yes. Uh, very good. Very good. So, so let me ask you this: Is this is this? I just got to ask from the other, from the business side. How do you make money? <laughs> so we don't make money. Um, ah. That's a great a great conversation. So we are a philanthropic model. We were founded back in 1987 by cable mogul uh, Bill Daniels, um, and he uh, endowed the bank um, and his foundation, the Daniels Fund, continues to fund the, the bank side of the operation. The nonprofit side of the operation is all funded by community donations. Oh, okay. So, so, you're- so are you profitable or are you just tax exempt? Um, so banks don't come in a tax exempt model. They are for profit, but um, we uh, get recapitalized through a grant from our Founders Foundation, and then we inject capital down into the bank. And I, and I got to ask you, because Robert was talking earlier about the the rule of compounding interest and all this. So a kid borrows $30. What's his interest rate? So we have a flat interest rate of 6%. Okay. Um, you want to make it meaningful. Um, you know, on the deposit side, we're paying 0.1%. We try to pay market rates. We've had that discussion with our board many times of, should we artificially inflate rates to get kids to save? And um, our youth board, in addition to our adult board, said, you know, this is this is a real-life experience, and we have to pay real-life rates. So we do rate surveys just like any other bank and, and pay market rates. Are you paying 10% yet? <laughs> no, not at all. We're paying 0.1%. 0.1%, not even 1%. 0.1%. Yeah. Are, we, are we going to hit NERP negative yet? We haven't, luckily, but um, you know, I would think some of these youth these days think that it's it's about negative. And, and as you <laughs> talked about, is what's the reason of putting my money in a bank? Because what we're talking about, as the usual with Rich said, is what does school teach about money? And I don't know what school you went to, but uh, mine was zero. You know, and I actually was homeschooled to be a rich man, just playing Monopoly. 
four greenhouses, one red hotel. So today, Kim and I own about 10,000 houses, several red hotels and golf courses and oil wells because those are called assets, not liabilities. And it's really quite simple to become rich if you know the difference between an asset versus a liability. Now, assets put money in your pocket and liabilities take money from your pocket. So one of the reasons Kim and I created this company back in 1997 was because we could see this financial crisis come, coming. Many, many people, you know, you can, you can see me on CNN talking to Wolf Blitzer, predicting the fall of Lehman Brothers and Goldman Sachs and the whole banking crisis and all this. But I'm really glad to hear and see that people are taking, you know, the similar message and actually teaching young people about money outside the school system. Because there's one problem with academics. They're not entrepreneurs. And you can actually, if you're sensitive, you can actually sense an entrepreneur from an employee. They have a different type of vibration to them. So that's why I'm very happy today. We've had two guests earlier. Russell Brunson, a young man, is multimillionaire. And he's helping the, Russell's helping the Rich Dad Company with, with his program called ClickFunnel. And he's he starts businesses to serve people, not to make money. That's why he makes so much money. Our new guest, latest guest, is Rich Martinez. He's the president and CEO of Young Americans Bank, based in Colorado. And it is a hands-on way of teaching young people about banking, but also entrepreneurship. Any comments, Ken? Yes, well, we were talking at the break, and uh, Rich, you were telling a story of one of the young men that came through your uh, bank. Yes, we have a, a young entrepreneur, um, his name is Jack Bonneau, and he has a company called Jack Stands. Um, and he has a, a lemonade stand, but does it to the next level and, and actually franchises lemonade stands to give other kids an experience in uh, in entrepreneurship. And so Jack was recently uh, featured in the Sunday New York Times um, and then got picked up by the Today Show. And Jack actually had his lemonade stand um, in Times Square uh, <laughs> and was featured. So one of these young entrepreneurs that I like to say has it in their DNA, kind of like Robert was talking about. So so when he came to you, did he come to you, to your bank, uh, for a loan for the franchise or for a lemonade stand? So Jack actually started in some of our summer classes, but um, yes, he came to a, with a loan for the, uh, for the franchise, not for the original lemonade stand. Nice. Boy, I tell you, you guys are uh, operating, you know, for those who may not know, a franchise is really a security. So now you're you're... you're you're really going into the the hardcore legitimacy and operation principles of a business. So that's yep. outstanding education. How old is he? So Jack is is the ripe old age of about ten years old. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, but has comes from a family of entrepreneurship. So from your your prior guests, is I do think some kids just get it in their DNA. You know what we're really interested here is also just getting that entrepreneurial spirit ignited in these young youth and. And we're creating and, and launching here in the fall a school-based program that will get kids um, those entrepreneurial building blocks, whether they decide to have a business or not um, through our, our Youth Biz program. They'll get a chance to see what it is to create value. Um, and as you talked about, um, and, and regardless of whether they start a business or not, um, they can be entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs in any different um, any different occupation they decide to pursue. And, and Rich, when you say school-based, does that mean it's going to be a school or it's going to be a supplemental summer school? Or 
No, so it'll be in the classroom taught um, by teachers or facilitators. And as Robert talked about, they are not the most entrepreneurial people. Exactly. Um, and so being able to give them a curriculum that is that is aligned to state academic standards as well as national entrepreneurial standards um, and being able to, to allow them, and we're also educating those facilitators, on, on different things. So they'll do some self-discovery as students understand who they are as people, some ideation um, projects, some prototyping, and end up in a business pitch to get ideas out. And, and what I will say is our educational system is very good at getting kids to do some um, you know, self-identification and self-exploration. Um, and getting them to explore and verbalize and, and write down ideas. And that's where this gets started is you have to get kids to be able to get outside of their, their heads and, 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 and visualize something else that's out there. Well, congratulations. You're a very brave man, you know, starting a franchise business and raising funds for it, but also taking on the school system, but also running a bank for young people. I mean, you deserve a Medal of Honor. Yeah. My God, what you're doing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard work, but, you know, you have to go to where the kids are, and our school system is, is where the kids are. We do a lot also with home schools and, and private schools, but our public school system still has by by far and large the, the greatest number of students, and um, it's a great place well, for them ask, to get some exposure. Yeah, let me ask you this. How do the parents respond to it as a general rule? You know, I think um, the majority of our population are not entrepreneurs, so oh, I think, um, you know, so they are, uh, I think they're open to having their kids um, explore new avenues, but um, I don't think they're as open to having their kids start businesses, and, and I think it's, it's a new way of life out there. And how do, uh, how, how do, how do teachers respond? You know, we've couched it in a way so that um, it is more about, like I say, those other academic areas. Uh, oh, but, you so you had to you had to speak their language instead of having them learn your language. Absolutely, interesting, yes. um, interesting. And um, is and, that is that because people are just so ingrained in the parents too about the kids got to get a job and they got to get the teachers got to get good grades? It's still is it that mindset that you're fighting against? Yeah, I don't think it's about grades and those academic subjects, not about getting a job. I still think there's a, a huge disconnect between relevant education to get kids employed um, versus what are the academic standards that they're trying to meet. And, and that's what I think our programs do is bring those two sides together, bring business into the classroom with guest speakers, and, but really create that connection for kids and get that bigger education to have some relevance. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to this program on your time and your schedule, the Rich Dad Radio app, available at the App Store, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. So you can listen to it again. And if you have friends and family who need to listen to this program, listen to it and then discuss. What we're talking about is one of my pet peeve subjects is why don't we have financial education in schools? And our guest is Rich Martinez, president and CEO of Young Americans Bank based in Colorado. And that's where education is going right now, is going outside the school system because exactly as Rich said, the academic system is controlled by the government. And, they, and the government determines what you can teach kids. And for some reason, money seems to be something forgotten by the government, as we can tell by how inoperative our government is. So it's people like Rich, again, President and CEO of Young Americans Bank, 
who are taking up the slack in the education system and actually teaching a subject that most young kids need to learn about. It's a thing called money. And, you know, when I was in school in the fourth grade, I raised my hand and asked my teachers, hey, when am I going to learn about money? And the teacher says, well, we don't teach about money in school. Besides, you know, money is the love of, the love of money is the root of all evil. as well, maybe for you, but not for me. You know, so that was, I ran into it right away. And then she said, well, I'll go talk to your dad because my dad was head of education for Hawaii. And my dad says, look, I am a government employee. I have to teach what the government tells me to teach. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're running up against in the academic system. And we wonder why we have Bernie Sanders running for office saying he's going to give everything away for free. You know, and going, okay, well, someone's got to pay for it eventually. But anyway, that's why I'm really glad to have this program on what entrepreneurs are actually doing and business people outside the school system to educate our young. And uh, Rich, Young Americans Bank, your website is yacenter, yacenter.org, correct? Correct. Okay, so let me ask you this. What's the, what's the, we talked about a loan earlier of $30 for a knife. What's the largest loan you've ever made? So we've done a $25,000 loan to a fence company. Oh. Um, and so, um, and this was young brothers that, uh, that had worked with a fence company. They were about 18 and, and started saying, you know what, we could do this. And so we took a, a risk on them and gave them a $25,000 loan to, to start out their business. How'd they do? They did great. Um, you know, they grew very fast and, and ended up paying us off, you know, about three or four years after they started with us. But um, they're still in business today doing very customized fencing, kind of high-end fencing, and um, actually giving back to the organization, which is great. Oh, wonderful. Well, congratulations and, on and that. Do you ever have anybody default on your loans? Yes, unfortunately we do. What happens um, then? But yeah, that's that's real life. And so, you know, there's things that go go wrong, but um, just like adult borrowers, our young borrowers, we try to get them to, to talk to us and, and work through those, those, uh, those setbacks and, and pay off loans because they are building a credit history here, either positive or negative. Uh, that's fantastic. That is. You, you counsel on them. I think it's just like, a, like I said, like adult borrowers. If they don't speak to anybody and talk to anybody, they avoid calls. You don't learn anything from that, and so we we talk to our our young borrowers and and even our young account holders when they overdraft their accounts with personalized calls so that uh, we can we can work them through the the issue. So, what do the parents of these uh, defaulters say? <laughs> well, they'll get the call also as the as the guarantor if they if they were you know their youth was was under the age of eighteen, but um, you know they're they're trying to stand behind their kids and but also that the lesson of, of failure and having those those uh, those setbacks is is where the real life lessons are learned. Amen, so, amen, amen. And and just one final question is 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 your bank is it replicatable? Is it is it nationwide or is it local? Do you deal just with the people in your community or can you expand out? Yeah, so we do have account holders in all 50 states, okay, dozen foreign great. countries. The headquarters they have to do all the business here out of Denver. It is as we talked about um, not profitable, so it is a very expensive um, model to replicate. So, um, but we do have a lot of people do their banking through the mail or via our our our, our online banking app and things and, like and that. And best to find you online at your website. Yes. Yacenter.org. Great. Right. I'm, I'm out of time. A quick question, Rick. Uh, how long do you think? How long do you think the interest rates will stay low? You know, I think we are in a low interest rate environment for at least the next three to five years, which is very unfortunate as long as we've already been in this um, 
in this environment. Yeah, but it's good news for guys like me. So thank you for the good news. <laughs> <laughs> good news for the borrowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love I just love debt. I love low interest rate debt. Again, we're talking about what the school teach you about money. The answer for me, at least, was zero. And I learned about money being homeschooled in many ways. I was actually an apprentice to my rich dad. And he just taught me playing Monopoly, four greenhouses, one red hotel. And that's what Kim and I have today. We have lots and lots of little greenhouses and lots and lots of hotels, golf courses, and oil wells, which is why we don't have to work as hard. So I want to thank our guest, Russell Brunson, entrepreneur, owner of Dotcom Secrets, and his dad, Ross Brunson, Russell's father, and Rich Martinez, president and CEO of Young Americans Bank. You can submit your questions to Rich Dad Radio, and the questions we select are those that kind of relate to the subject of the day. And today is the question is, what does school really teach you about money? And how much of what you've been taught is actually interfering with your ideas and your life right now? So, Melissa, what's the first question if I ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Emily in Columbus, Ohio. Favorite book, Midas Touch. She says, Robert, do you see any value in public school education other than to be trained as an employee? As a parent, I struggle with investing so much of my son's time in school. Well, that's a question we're always asking. Yeah. I think the, the thing is education is important, even that stuff they teach you in school. Basically, school is to teach you reading, writing, arithmetic, and how to socialize with idiots. That's what, that's how I saw it. Because I was, I, was I was not in the in crowd. I was always kind of the out crowd. And I didn't know what I was doing in school, but I met some great friends. That's where I met Rich Dad Son and all this stuff. And I went surfing a lot, and then I my I was kind of done well there. And then I went to military school, which was one of the best things I've ever done because I needed discipline. And then I went to flight school, which I absolutely love. You know, fly in the morning, I may mean, study in the morning and fly in the afternoon. I was in hogs heaven. Plus, we're preparing to go to Vietnam, which kind of make make it kind of a life and death. You know, mentality, which makes me a good entrepreneur. Any comments on yours? Well, yeah, I think about the, a comment that a mother made to me a while back, and she said, the only reason my son is in school is so I don't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm thinking about, you know, our, our Rich Dad advisors. We've got Lisa and Josh Lannon. They have young kids in school. Um, Ken McElroy, they have kids in school. And, they, you know, they say you got they got to go to school, and there is some value there. But then it really is up to the parent to have that make that relevant to the kids when they come home and talk about what did they learn and how does that apply to real life. So as a parent, um, it seems that your role as in, in education is more important than ever. So all of the advisors use a cash flow game to play with their kids yeah. and all this, to train them to understand income, expense, assets, liabilities, a financial statement, which you never learn, is never, never learn in school. Never. Interesting, isn't it? They teach you FICO scores, but they don't teach you a financial statement. So Ken McElroy's son now, he's very clear. He just, he just checked in at the University of Arizona, and he knows he's going to be an entrepreneur. You know, So that's why if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a financial statement. And 99.999% of kids, even the A students, don't know what a financial statement is when they leave school. So if you're really serious about your child's financial future as well as their educational future, at home, play the game cash flow and talk to them about real-life things that you – and your spouse are going through, you know, especially, you know, if you're a single parent, your kid is in trouble because they're getting kind of a half-baked idea on the spouse, you know, the guy that left you or the woman that left you. And then they're getting, they're getting, they see a lot of them just see struggle 
or they expect somebody to take care of them. You know, like, well, you know, I mean, the people should take care of single people like me. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I, when I when I, I we have friends with single daughters with kids, and it's shocking what they're teaching their kids. You know, there was an attitude attitude check, and should I say about men and money, and then women and money. So that's why I'm going. Holy moly, man, if you don't take care, take control of your education at home, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Yeah, and you know, it reminds me of Lisa Lannan telling me a story, and, and Lisa's one of our Rich Dad Advisors with her husband, Josh. Um, they wrote the book Social Capitalists and have very successful businesses. And Lisa was telling me that her daughter went to school, and it was the first day of school, and the teacher was very progressive and decided that all the kids were going to have this – they were going to start set up this town like real life, and they were all going to have these different roles. And there was the policeman, and there was you know, the teacher, and there was the nurse and the doctor and all these different people. And, and so Lisa's daughter raises her hand and goes, I want to be the entrepreneur. I want to own the business. And the teacher goes – you don't. You cannot own the business. That's that's not one of the roles. You cannot own the business. And she's like, but my mom owns the business, and that's what I want. And the, the her poor daughter came home so distraught and so upset. And so again, Lisa had to intervene and say, okay, let's talk about what do you want to do. And well, I want to be. I want to have my own business. And so she's already grooming her daughter down that path. But it takes the parent doing that. The te- the school has no. The school just wanted the kids to have a job. And the worst thing about academics is that most of them are like Bernie Sanders. They believe in free education and free lunch and take from the rich and give to the poor. That's called training people to be parasites. Anyway, next question there, Melissa. Our next question comes from Marcus in Columbia, Missouri. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, I know the importance of doing things differently when it comes to providing financial education for my child. Do you have any advice for getting my kids interested in entrepreneurship all they want to do is be on their iPhones all day long. Well, I, I would say that's a challenge, but being on the iPhone is pretty good because that's where most entrepreneurs start their businesses today. So it's so much easier. I mean, it's almost a walk in the park to be an entrepreneur today. Just create an app, you're in business. You know, the, the capital requirements and all that are, are minimal. You have access to the world markets and all this. So being an iPhone is a pretty good idea, except if a guy like me who doesn't know how to use an iPhone. <laughs> But other than that, you'll learn the principles of it and all this. But I think the best thing for me and for Kim was that our parents didn't give us money. That's the biggest problem I see with parents. They want to give their kids money. And my old man, poor dad, you know, he says, I I was a screw-up in school, so he kept saying, I'm just not going to pay for you anymore. I said, oh, thank you. Because then I said, okay, I just earned my own money. it, It wasn't an impediment. You know, for my brothers and sisters, they almost died because dad couldn't give them any money. But for me, it was like, oh, boy, a challenge. So that's when I've, I've, I've just started companies day in, day out. I'm going to start a company in a second now. So I don't need a job. And I think that was the benefit of having my old man try and threaten me with not giving me any more money. It just inspired me to make money. Well, I and I it must have it's it was in my DNA to not be dependent on my parents. And that went into the future with me as well, because I actually got jobs when I was in high school. I got jobs in college. I actually told my parents to stop sending me money. I was okay. I was making my own money. I was in college. I would be fine. So stop sending me money. And they were so concerned that I was doing doing too much outside of school and that I was going to flunk out of college. And it, it all worked out. But I just did not want that dependency on money. So it was really important to me. 
One of my best businesses, in, I went to military school. One of my best businesses was called Dogs and Buds. So we, <laughs> Dogs and Buds? Yeah. Because it's a military school, we weren't allowed to drink. We weren't allowed to cook and all this. So we broke all the rules. My friend, they got this pressure cooker, and we would charge all these guys five bucks because we couldn't get Budweiser and we couldn't get hot dogs. Everybody wanted hot dogs and Budweiser, so we would rush out. We'd buy all these cases of beer and sneak them into the school, which was, I wouldn't recommend it today, but we're entrepreneurs. And then we bought all these hot dogs and buns and mustard and relish. And so we get all these guys in the room, probably 20 of them, we collect five bucks each. So that was 100 bucks. Now our cost was probably about 40. So we'd have all these hot dogs and bugs as pressure cooker would go. We had the fan going to keep the smell of the hot dogs. It's a military school, you know what I mean? The guys with guns walking around to protect us from them. Anyway, so we'd have this buds and dogs night, and the hot dogs would be boiling away. The buns would be out there, and the Budweiser would be there. Uh, 20 guys in a room at 5 bucks each, and then Dirty Ed and I would say, ready, go. So because we never bought enough of buds and dogs, there was like this feeding frenzy. It was more entertaining than anything else. These guys are sucking down beers and stuffing hot dogs in, the, in their mouths. So I learned the power of marketing. That's what I learned. So not having money has actually been the best thing for me. Not having a paycheck has been the best thing for me because I just, you know, I don't know if I'm a serial entrepreneur, but if I need money, I just create something. And I think that's the value of not having money. And I'm just going to add a commercial message to Marcus. Um, you want to teach your kid about being encouraged about entrepreneur. We do have a book. It's a graphic novel. It's called Escape the Rat Race. And it's cartoons, and uh, it's a real easy read, and it's something you might want to give your give your child. Next week, I'll tell you some of the other businesses I started. But we'll have to wait until I get an R rating for that one. Next question, Melissa. Please, please, Melissa. Next question. Our next question comes from Casey in Austin, Texas. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, what is your advice for finding and maintaining a mentor? I don't have any advice on that. I think you have to be this old saying that goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that has happened for all of us. Now, this is the one, another point about it. You may not like the teacher. In other words, sometimes the teacher is teaching you something you don't want to learn. So for me, for Kim and I personally, some of our best teachers have been crooks and criminals who are, have no, no scruples and no morals. But it was teaching us a Kim, and, Kim and I a lesson is that we're too naive and too trusting. So, you know, everybody thinks, oh, if I find a mentor, life will be happy and all this. Some of my best, of our best teachers have been, you know, nice people, but criminals at heart. They, will, they would sell their mother for a buck. And the world is filled with people like this. They've got to be very, very careful. So sometimes the, your best mentors are people you learn to hate after a while. Well, and sometimes, as you say, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, and that brings to mind our friend Frank. Uh, when you we were you wanted to take com- companies public and you were going to teach that and all of a sudden we get introduced to to our friend Frank and Frank became a, a rich dad and a, a great mentor to us for many many years uh, passed away at ninety two but um, I, again I, I get when as soon as you're crystal clear on what it is you want pe- the right people do show up often and oftentimes they are mentors 